Hey y'all, this is Tai Zhu. And this is Andrew Ball. We're both state government reporters here at the Topeka Capital Journal. And we are, we're just going to give you a little taste of our state government coverage in podcast form. How's that sound, Titus? Yeah, sounds sounds pretty good. And, you know, just, just for our listeners out there, you know, there, there could be, you know, something, something, a project maybe coming up, you know, February or so. But, you know, for now, we're just kind of, you know, right before session, just breaking things down a bit, you know. Right. And we actually had the chance to sit down with Governor Laura Kelly a couple weeks back and... We're going to walk you through a little bit of what she said because it. Uh, we're going to have a very interesting session, I think it's safe to say, <laughs> between COVID-19, uh, a more conservative legislature, and then the governor, uh, Democratic governor, uh, all kind of jockeying for attention. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be um, a very interesting session. Um, and, you know, it w- there will be issues being discussed during the session that will impact you uh that will impact you know your family and don't impact you know how how we all live through this pandemic and live through you know this next year right titus and i are kansans too right like we pay taxes and go to the grocery store and stuff yes at least i go to the grocery store i don't know about you we do pay taxes that's for sure (laughs) we're not we're not felons (laughs) um but yeah you know you know you know in the first part of the conversation with the governor um you know we talked a bit about some of the priorities that oh i guess the, the dynamic the governor has with uh be- between governor kelly and the legislature and how that's changed i think the conversations that we've been having have been uh, much more collegial and uh and, and much more collaborative than than they were for uh, a month or two uh, prior to that so i'm hoping we'll continue uh on that vein uh, but i'm not I've been around long enough to know that uh, you know, there will be times when they want to use that as uh, a venue to to make political points, uh, and it's just part of the way it works. Right. Yeah. So if you if you weren't paying attention during the election season, you know, maybe you moved to Mars and and or lost internet connection for a three month period. Um, it was a good election for Republicans in the sense that. Actually, they expanded their numbers here in both the Kansas House and the Kansas Senate, and the members in their caucuses and the Republican caucuses actually got more conservative. Yeah, yeah. The moderates lost out in the primaries, and there was um there was no blue wave that you know some people were hyping up about. More was like it was more like a mini red wave actually. Um, the only blue waves were in the ocean. Yes, yes. But you know, <laughs> the, 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 the listeners are going to come back in February for more of my dad jokes. I think is the. It's the lesson here. But this is this is bad news for uh, this is, I would say, not good news for Kelly because I, you know, I mean, both me and Andrew kind of personally observed that you know, a few days before the election, you know, when people were kind of hyping up this blue wave, you know, we could tell that the governor, you know, had a bit of a more confident demeanor, you know, just yeah. just objectively a confident demeanor. Um, she was kind of throwing down the gauntlet a little bit with yeah, Republicans. I remember, I don't even remember at one point when she was saying, you know, she she said this, it stood out to me when she basically said that. If local, you know, if local institutions, uh, local governments don't don't want a mask mandate, you know, I'm going to find a way to impose one anyway, like a statewide Oof, mask mandate. That's yeah, that was that's that up to me. But then, election, you know, after the election, she uh, her tongue kind of softened a bit, right? Yeah, she was. They're partners, you know. That that talking about the the Republicans and. I don't know that the Republicans see her necessarily as a partner. I mean, we'll get into a little bit of what the governor's told us, but uh, I think that 
Republicans, you know, they still will need to use their supermajority to override any vetoes, but they have more capacity now to use that on things like taxes. Um, they don't even need to override or veto on, on a constitutional amendment restricting abortion. You know, big issues that impact mm-hmm. people that, that they are going to be able to move more unilaterally. You know, I think the governor still is is holding out hope that they're going to be able to partner and uh, partner and this is probably a good spot maybe for some audio there too. Uh, they really need to um, bite the bullet and expand Medicaid. You know, we, uh, we should have done that a long, long time ago. Uh, we have left probably close to $5 billion back in Washington, D.C. that should have come into the Kansas economy. Uh, we have not created, I don't know how many thousands of jobs uh, that would have been created over the past seven years that we were eligible for uh, Medicaid expansion. And you know, we are now up to about 165 Kansans who no longer have insurance, no longer have access to health care. Uh, you know, we were down somewhere 130, 150, uh, but the pandemic has really increased uh, the number of folks who are eligible. Uh, uh, but Titus, you know, what were some of the priorities she talked through with us? Because she's not going to be just like kicking back and, and doing nothing uh, this session. Well, yeah, obviously, because she, you know, she does have 2022 in, in sight, and she has to at least, you know, be able to tell the voters that, you know, this is what she pushed for and whatnot. And same with Republicans. They all also have an incentive to push back on the governor's priorities uh, in, light, in light of those elections ahead. Um, you know, one of them is, well, no, is redistricting. I think it's important uh, that they uh, set up a, um, a nonpartisan commission uh, so that we do redistricting the right way. Uh, you know, everybody talks, this, particularly this last year, about fair, uh, uh, fair elections uh, and voter access and whatnot. You know, all of that begins with those maps. So, you know, redistricting, um, for our background, for our readers, you know, it's, you know, it's when basically, you know, every once in a decade, lawmakers come together and they decide, all right, how do we draw these districts uh, and in which, you know, it gets represented by a certain lawmaker. Um, so if you live in that certain district, right, you elect that lawmaker, right? But depending on how the district is shaped, you might be voting along with different fellow voters. Um, so, for instance, if you happen to live in Newton, Kansas, for instance. Shout out Newton. One of our um, one of our Gannett, Kansas properties. Exactly. Um, you know, currently that district right now uh, encompasses the entire city. So you have a lot of city votes in there, right? But, you know, if... if you know, legislators, especially Republicans right now, with their supermajority, which you know, they can, they can, they'll, they'll be able to kind of split that city into three different districts, and suddenly, you know, kind of that that CD voting power, which you know tends to be, you know, if you're more urban, you tend to be more democratic, that can get washed out. So, so that's that's really going to be on the table um, with redistricting. Now, keep in mind, this won't happen. You no, know, the debate over this, I mean, it will still be there, but it won't really happen now. It will happen until 2022. Uh, and that's when it will get really heated. But you know, the governor has stated that as one of her uh, priorities to you know to get that to to create an independent redistricting commission so that it takes to, takes this you know who decides you know who represents who out of the politicians' hands into an independent you know kind of panel. But this is often called the Iowa model. Uh, Iowa, perhaps unsurprisingly, the state that kind of started using. Uh, experts to, to draw lines and not and not leave it up to legislators. Um, 
it, it seems safe to say that's not that's that's not going to be something Republicans are interested in. And in fact, they're they're going to be interested in, in perhaps taking a look at drawing maps that hurt uh, the Kansas's lone Democrat in Congress, Sharice Davids, out in the third congressional district. Yep, it's going to hurt them. And you know, from what experts have told me as well, um, they're also going to even, they're also going to try to hurt the chances of moderate Republicans and create a conservative supermajority, so that you know even even moderate Republicans won't have a chance, and it will you know it will cement you know. That conservative faction of the GOP here in Kansas. Speaking of that conservative faction of the GOP, um, they are not going to be a fan of independent redistricting, and they're not going to be a fan of Medicaid expansion. I think too, and that has long been a priority for Governor Kelly. And if you are a, a veteran of uh, Kansas politics, uh, you you know full well the the drama over the years with Medicaid expansion. I don't even think it's going to be that dramatic this year because Senate President Ty Masterson uh, said already that it's just not something that there's an appetite for. And that really gets back to it. Titus mentioned those moderate Republicans losing, moderate Republicans from rural areas like the idea of Medicaid expansion because they have hospitals in their communities that would benefit. You don't see that there as much anymore. And even Democrats are saying privately, you know, this is not something that's, that's really on the table. Yeah, I mean, I'm just keep it short and simple. It's... Oh, I was about to say a cuss word. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's chances of it is you know not not good, not good. Titus Wu, he's he's gonna give you the straight. He's gonna be a straight shooter. Um, you know, I I do think uh, really really quickly before we move on talking about the governor's uh, executive powers, Titus has done a lot of reporting on that. He's he's got good stuff there. There are some things I think that might have a bit of a shared interest, and that's in, in the realm of some of the budget issues. I think that it's going to be an interesting budget with uh, with state revenues declining because of the pandemic. But there are some things that, that the governor wants to fund, thinking like transportation, broadband, that, that I think lawmakers, uh, even Republican lawmakers, will be on board with because... It creates jobs, it helps their communities, and it's something, frankly, they can run for re-election on in, in, uh, over a little over a year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think these issues, transportation, economic development, I mean, they're not these hot-button issues that kind of they're go a while. Up. Yeah, so, I mean, I think for the most part, you know, they'll come together. But at the same time, you know, I can always imagine those, you know, one, maybe one or two Republicans who might try to make a political point out of this, but... You know, if so, I mean, I think they'd rather do it with some of the other stuff like Medicaid expansion, or you know, well, or or the the, the emergency powers bit. And I, I, you know, the pandemic's on everyone's minds. I, I guess can you walk us through a little bit? Um, yeah, because the governor's saying that she thinks lawmakers are going to go a different direction than they did right in the middle of the pandemic when they passed legislation restricting what she could do. What do you make of that? Yeah, so I mean, for the most part. You know, again, for our readers, you know, in an emergency, right, you know, the executive branch, in this case the governor, right, gets, you know, gets these delegated powers, you know, from the legislature to be able to, you know, issue some emergency orders, right, in order to help with the disaster. So, you know, if there was a wildfire or a flood, you know, the governor can, you know, issue, you know, lift some regulations to make, you know, things easier, etc. You know, usually, again, these are duties that, you know, only the legislative branch can do, but because it's an emergency, they delegate some of their powers to the governor. 
Um, but the problem is with this pandemic is that this is not a short-term emergency. This is not like a fire, you know, or a We wish flood. it was a short-term emergency. Yeah, I wish it was short, too. But, you know, it's been, what, like, I don't know, a year. It seems like, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's been a year or whatever. But It, feel, it feels like it's been a decade. For Republicans, it's, it's, it's a bit too long, way too long, actually, <laughs> for the governor to have all that power, right? So currently right now, um, you know, the majority, the majority GOP legislator, they're having some oversight over the governor. Right now, the way they do that is that they meet through a thing called State Finance Council. If you follow us on our news, you, you, you've, you've seen the organization State Finance Council. And you're asking, what the hell is a State Finance Council? Well, the State <laughs> Finance Council is actually just, you know, these uh, the top leaders in the Republican legislator. Um, and a couple of Democrats. And a couple you, of you Democrats. You can't forget about them. Yeah, a couple of Democrats, too. Uh, and, 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 and then the governor herself. And they meet. And then basically... Anything that the governor does with, you know, in terms of renewing the disaster declaration or whatever emergency order she has, you know, they have to, she, she has to review it along with these Republican legislators. Now, what's going to happen in this coming session is that um, there's some folks out there who are not satisfied with this oversight mechanism. They want more oversight over what the governor does. Some are calling for an expanded state finance council because they say they want more like perspectives and, you know, Oh God, having said through those meetings, the last thing they need to do is expand state finance council. Yeah, well, that could be looked into. In fact, maybe even worse, a lot of the people are actually thinking of calling for like, during an emergency, you know, if, you know, in order to have oversight of the governor, that a special legislative session must be called, with, aka Every single lawmaker has to be present when the governor wants to do something with their emergency powers. In Topeka, in, in Topeka, yes. You can't um, even do this. Like you know, you, you do your work, your meetings at work. You do your happy hours over Zoom. These guys can't even do that. They got to come to Topeka. Yeah, but to be clear, you know, this is this is going to be a big hurdle because uh, to, to to actually uh, a lot of them are thinking, for instance, um, to change kind of the requirement to to call a special legislation during emergency where you just need a simple majority instead of two thirds. But that would require a constitutional amendment, aka it would also have to go. In front of the voters, probably to um to to make that happen. But you know, th- th- those are some of the discussions happening. There's a lot more discussion in terms of like, oh, setting up some kind of organization with the, like the attorney general and uh, kind of having oversight over you know the emergency orders themselves and what constitutes it, or, you know what can be, let's or not. And they are looking at um at least considering the idea of maybe taking some of these, you know, powers that in the Constitution says that in an emergency we give it to the governor, maybe seeing if they can perhaps, you know, take it back. Well, uh, the first thing they really need to do is to focus on um, the Emergency Management Act and whatever uh, modifications they want to make to that. Uh, And I'm hoping that they will approach that, um, you know, in sort of a lessons learned, uh, you know, we, we know so much more now than we did last March. Decisions were made last March that if we had known what we know now, then would have been probably made differently. I think they've seen that acted out. Uh, we did a mass mandate a long time ago. We did another one more recently. The way we approached the, the second time is very, very different. So I hope they take that all into consideration and <clears throat> understand that you know, there, were, there were things done uh, because we were we're doing things based upon the information that we had then. So, uh, so they need to they need to just address that issue. But you know, Republicans are you know not framing. Well, some some Republicans are framing this as yes, we're trying to you know, have more oversight over Democratic Governor Laura Kelly. But 
there are some who, who who say no. That's we're just trying to make it more clear as to who which branch has authority in which certain situations and everything. Obviously, the governor is not a fan of this. Yeah, she probably. doesn't want to lose her powers. Yeah, she doesn't want to lose her powers. I mean, and and she argues. I mean, we can we can play audio here. Um, that you know you need to you know that that you do that that, that we've learned a lot since since we first kind of waded into this and that there are ways of tailoring an emergency response bill that don't require get, you know giving up powers and she's argued she's not misused her powers now republicans might disagree with that but you know that that she's saying that that uh, there can be kind of a middle ground here yeah i just don't see any re- republicans having any incentive to to create a middle ground. Create a middle ground. I mean, because there's an election, but also because you have supermajority. And again, for our readers who are questioning what's a supermajority, um, basically, they have enough of um, members, enough Republican members in the legislature mm-hmm. that any veto the governor has, you know, they can be overridden. And so they if, have no... If they get all their members to vote. That is true. The way they want. You know, there, there is a possibility in which, you know, Republicans might have some infighting. But, you know, with a more conservative, you know, caucus, you know... That's less likely to happen than, than in past sessions. You know, I, there's going to be... I'm going to try and like start transitioning out, you think? Um, a lot of this is fluid. A lot of this is going to change. And I, I think that the best thing for our reader, our, our listeners to do, you know, to, to keep abreast of this is to, to follow the Topeka Capital Journal, right? I mean, we're not biased, but that's that seems like... A, a good thing well, yes, should because do. this is our podcast so follow us yeah uh-huh. um, <laughs> well where can they find you uh, find me on twitter at tiesmo100 I can always increase my twitter followers <laughs> me too I'm looking to get verified that's my new year's resolution and if you want to help me do that you can find me at Andrew Ball B-A-H-L and, uh, but more importantly you know I mean f- seriously actually you know follow us because you know we we do try our best to you know provide the best coverage of um speak of for yourself. policies I never try okay you know, he's talented but I'm not um <laughs> but you know I mean and, and you know if you think that you know oh, why should I care about what's going up in Topeka and all these you know dense legislation just know that you know they will impact you um they will you know they will like you you may think that this is far removed but you know that's why we were going to have a a podcast, you know, Which, come, come, coming out, you know, kind of soon, you know, trying to 